Oh my God, I'm sending you the funniest picture from the 2019 list, and we're not going to be able to even uh, to even poke fun about it because it's too close to home. Hi, <laughs> ay, ay. So, welcome back. Uh, Amir, it's really hot outside. Is it? <laughs> Just kidding. That was the lead in for you to say, it's the heat. <laughs> it's the heat. At least it's dry. It's the humidity. <laughs> oh my uh, God. No, last night was just the, the epitome of all my, uh, a culmination of my worst nightmares like put together. We went to an opening at uh, Venus on Upper East Side. And uh, for you Europeans, it was like, I guess it wasn't even that hot. It was like 25, 26, or maybe even 27 degrees, but it was like 100% humidity because it was raining, but like it wouldn't let up. And so it just felt like, I felt like a pregnant woman basically in August or something. (laughs) I couldn't have felt more uncomfortable. And it was just, you know, surrounded by people there and everybody just seemed so like dignified and like at peace with themselves. And I just felt like... I want to rip somebody's skin off their face. <laughs> I was that uncomfortable. Like well, I was wearing, I was wearing pants, and they were just like glued to my uh, skin, and it's just, uh, just sweating through my undershirt. I just felt so annoyed. Well, heat and humidity does not target the wealthy, so that's why. Totally. Wait, I should find that Gawker article from like 2015. I think that like decries the use of AC. <laughs> <laughs> Ma- making the claim that it weakens a uh, it weakens humans both on a spiritual but also on a physical level. Uh, okay, thanks Germans. Yeah, basically. Here, air. Uh, oh, twenty twelve. Sorry, air conditioning makes you weak. That is, uh, we can uh, we can link it on our oh, social media accounts. So they'd rather have one hundred and sixty people die, like in British Columbia. Yeah, basically. Um, which is insane. Yeah. Um, well, well, at least now, at least now we're able to like, uh, commiserate cause you're, uh, you're no longer staying with us, but you're still stateside <laughs> and on the Eastern seaboard, only a couple of hours uh, north of here, but we're pretty much enjoying quote unquote, the same weather we are, but there was this weather schism a few days ago, though you were still insanely hot, 36 degrees getting uh national emergency alerts about not turning on the ac and here no, they the ac was fine they were just asking people to not uh, uh, turn on their yeah, dryer yeah. washer but while that was happening it already dropped down here it was like there was a bit of a a lag with you guys uh it's but just it was incre- insanely hot here and humid. it was yeah it's just wild and the crazy thing about human nature is that you just every season you totally forget that it gets this hot here and come winter you always forget how cold it gets here and how snowy it could potentially get and it's just this like cycle of uh, annual amnesia (laughs) um well since we last talked we did a a few fun things in the city Mm -hmm. uh you you finally got to meet friend of the pod aviva one of our avid listeners yeah, Aviva, you should come over for dinner sometime. Here, I'm, extend- I'm extending the invitation on the open airwaves. Can I be there when it happens? <laughs> yes. Short answer, yes. Okay, good. So that was one of those treacherous hot days where, you know, it's not that far away. We took two trains to get there, and we were just done when we got to our place. Yeah. Really needed a breather. And- what did people do back in the day? <laughs> or maybe just I have a very weak personality when it comes to us, you know, suffering through various weathers. Uh, I'm sure it was rough and horrible back then too, especially uh, in the especially in the days of a uh, Bacheva style fashion <laughs> for women, twenty four seven and man oh clad in uh, you know suits and top hats and whatnot. Beards. I just want to know how the uh, Hasidic men do it. Like wearing an ankle length black coat with like slacks and a dress shirt in this heat. I mean, your guess is as good as everybody's. (laughs) All you, all you gotta do is take one look at them. I don't think there's much mystery there. There's just a lot of, 
a lot of humidity and the uh, perspiration. <sighs> I mean, at, at least the other Semites are wearing loose robes, like uh, Muslim body rolls. <laughs> yeah, and they, you know, they famously drink uh, hot tea to alleviate the body's uh, sort of reaction to the... Uh, to the ambient heat, oh which I always found, like maybe an, an Arab can uh, chime in and tell me why I'm <laughs> wrong, but like, I don't see how drinking scalding hot tea helps you sort of put into perspective yeah. the fact that it's like 40 degrees around you. Yeah. I need like a 32 ounce uh, Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee in this heat. Yeah. Uh, I mean, on, on the plus side, at least you get to shed some, uh, uh, some water weight. <laughs> <laughs> um... So another thing we did was we did our Chelsea tour, um, which was so brief. Uh, yeah, because there was nothing to see because everything was garbage. Yeah. <laughs> it was also the tail end of some exhibitions. And so yeah, they were no, getting ready to uh, switch the guards. Exactly. There was a changeover. We um, we walked by Gagosian. There was that social works show about to open in a few hours, but there was still like a cherry picker installing things. Right. <laughs> Mere hours before the opening. Yeah, we saw the uh the uh high class high class entourage. Yeah. Emerge out of the gallery as we were actually entering the next door space to see the Richter yeah. show. Oh my god. Which <laughs> <laughs> what a shit show. <laughs> uh possibly one of the worst shows i've ever seen <laughs> like at yeah. a, any commercial gallery yeah um i mean the beginning bar is pretty <laughs> low with those uh squeegee works but at least like i saw the richter retrospective in berlin which was like 2012 where was it uh at uh no yeah gallery so at the mies van der Rohe building Oh, right. Is, so that under, actually, is that undergoing renovation now? The renovation's finished now. So they had their grand reopening, but there isn't a show or anything yet. Oh, nice. And so it was really nice in that space. I mean, you know, you got to walk around a glass box and look at these paintings. Can you just for a second uh, enlighten me? I think I'm only aware of two sort of major bodies of work of of Richter. I am thinking there's there must be something like in between so there's the uh sort of blurred a uh monochromatic yeah a um like photographic uh paint uh, paintings like of his daughter that one yeah. that's a famous and, one and the candle the candle the iconic. sonic youth the sonic youth <laughs> candle most overrated band in the 20th century if you ask oh me my God. um also shitty uh, yeah. art, artist exporter that band <laughs> Yeah, I mean, not surprised, but also surprised that it's like of all the kind of like 80s, 90s music icons, it's like that's the artist Gagosian picks up uh, as a right. painter. Uh, Wait, are you talking about Kim Gordon or Richter? Yeah, yeah. Kim no, Gordon. Kim Gordon. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I didn't then, even realize Gagosian picked her up. Yeah, no, she, she's like on the list. Really? Yeah. Uh, for years what, now. Like, what is she yeah. even known for? In her art garbage. Um, so another kind of iconic Richter uh, series is these stripe paintings that are basically Bridget Riley paintings. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, with the kind of big series of, of pinstripe lines going horizontally, whereas the Bridget Riley ones went vertical. Uh, groundbreaking Gerhard Richter. Mm -hmm. uh, the squeegee paintings. What else? Um, the thing is, it's like the squeegee pings are tacky, but I had sent you one a few days ago that was very bright. And at least that was like something to look at. But the squeegee <laughs> paintings we saw, uh, I hope the listeners Google this. It's like when you've made a mistake on a canvas and you just scrape off paint. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which reminds me of, uh, Israel Lund's work. Yeah, that description but, but at least those are kind of um more kind of like squeegee aesthetic you know like there's honestly even in richter's work i don't even see the sort of traces of a squeegee application onto the surface they seem like a sort of a an afterthought 
yeah with an accidental sort of attractive aesthetics just some of them some are cute some are ugly the ones we saw are horrible there's just nothing there they're mostly white there's some gray areas it just looks like a canvas found in the garbage so he, yeah it just looks like he ran out of a uh a paint of a uh, paint basically yeah and those are from 2006. By the way, Gerhard Richter is on the list of the top 1,000 richest Germans, which in a country that's highly industrialized and has a lot of uh, Nazi wealth still existing to this day. Um, that's pretty crazy, mm-hmm. you know, to be in that grouping. Uh, another He's- iconic... Oh, sorry. He's also a, a staunch critic of the whole sort of auction house culture and a uh, boom, basically. Oh, I'm sure he's just really tightly controlling his own market, and that's why. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably why he's so rich. It's like, oh, that's going to be an auction? Why don't I do the deal? <laughs> or one of my Hon- dealers. Uh, like, honestly, looking at the main sort of German mm-hmm. uh, names to have come out of that generation, I I disagree with this canon basically yeah like between well Kiefer i always loved but like sigma polka like i could go either way because like some work is good and some is just like eyebrow raising like yeah especially the stuff that's hanging in museums and you like couldn't even tell that it's a polka uh but like he's against can do me a favor no. i alone and i don't mean you i mean everyone else <laughs> i like I'm not even going to go there. Okay. Yeah. What did you want um, to say? <laughs> oh, I just wanted to say another iconic uh, Richter series is like the pixel art. Um, You know, all those color squares that look like the rainbow pride donut at Dunkin' Donuts in its 530 calorie glory. Um, Most notably in the, uh, in the uh, windows of the, uh, the stained glass windows of the, uh, um god where's the cathedral in, in cologne in, in cologne uh, yeah. yeah that's Which actually look, a, bu- a beautiful application yeah it's very beautiful that. yeah that in stained glass form is yeah gorgeous. i haven't been there but that's just such a such a good like white noise sort yeah. of type of juxtaposition exactly it's a nice intervention into such a historic building mm-hmm. um so i mean he's a painter who can <laughs> He's really a painter, paint. period. <laughs> yeah. He's a painter's painter, and he can paint anything he wants. And <laughs> well, he's become a he's become a painter's painter. I mean, even well, I guess you can say the same thing about the uh, the figurative phase because it was like it's pretty highbrow, and it's a uh, uh, sort of reasoning, yeah, um, and motivations. But at least there was some some sort of appeal to it, especially with how it sort of commented on the. Um, like the industrialized uh, yeah. industrial revolution and a uh, reproduction of images. Oh, I just found a great photo of him um, painting with a stick like Matisse, <laughs> <laughs> which is my energy during this residency. I is have he a lot of moo moo. <laughs> no, that's me in the moo moo. Um, <laughs> I bought a broomstick today to attach my squeegee to with my new large scale squeegee works. Mm-hmm. Um, but my squeegee works are like more Helen Frankenthaler. Um, inspired so i I thought you were going to say helen keller (laughs) (laughs) my daniel keller inspired squeegee works (laughs) wait so are you planning on painting from bed (laughs) yeah i should Shemek Pishik recumbent works. Totally, I can't wait for the show (laughs) yeah what's the uh what's the passover uh, term for that (laughs) <laughs> um Mesubian is when you recline. <laughs> Reclining nudes, volume two. That's my next show. Reclining Mumu. <laughs> oh, you should just you should just totally design some like abstract pattern mumus. Honestly, yes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you should get into that. Like uh what's eating Gilbert Grape style, the mom. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Oh my god, I still have to watch that. Um, wow, what a what an incredible movie. It's such Never a such it. an amazing tearjerker, and uh, is he Swedish? The director, I don't know. So what's his name? Lasse Hallström or something? Hallström. Oh, yeah. Sounds uh, 
didn't he do chocolate or something he made some crappy movies Wait, after that. chocolat chocolat <laughs> actually it came out in 2000 in the year 2000 and i saw it in the movie theater i didn't realize what it was about that it was like semi-erotic or whatever <laughs> and so it was just me a 15 year old in a movie theater and like a bunch of middle-aged like housewives and they were all just like a flipping out at the sight of like johnny depp uh oh you know getting uh, seduced by juliette binoche <laughs> anyway mm. Did we see anything else in Chelsea? I mean, other than that ugly bubble building. Um. Mm, what else did we see? Um. But there were like, remember we saw like a few works here and there we really liked in group shows? Yeah, I think we saw a cute group show of Marion, either Marion Boski or was it Boski? Yeah, it's where that, you knew the guy at the front desk. Yeah, that was Peter? there. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Let's see what it is. Yeah, because that, that was that was a that was a cute group show. Yeah, it's called yeah. A Thought Sublime, and it runs through August six. And uh, let me tell you whose works we saw in the show that we liked. Well, Winnipeg or Wanda Coop was in in the group show because there were two parts. I'm not sure if there was were two separate shows because remember there was the two doors we entered, right? And I I I can't remember if that was one group show or two separate group shows, but. Um, Local hometown hero Wanda Coop was in one. That's always nice to see when you come from a city of seven hundred thousand people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still have not seen a single work by a, an artist from Ra'anana, where I come from, <laughs> anywhere outside of Israel. Um, as we like to say in Ra'anana, if you can make it there, you made it there. <laughs> um, oh. For for some reason, this. Uh, exhibition page is not loading on Marianne Boski's website so if we have any Boski listeners please look into your CSS code right now <laughs> um <laughs> sorry that was funny that was a good that was a good zinger Amir thanks uh I cannot find the name of that artist but you remember those like collage works on sort of like a, a suede black backdrop that were framed in these like beautiful yeah like cherry or a uh, maple frame. Yeah, there was a fine hardwood. Yeah, that was beautiful work, and I'd love to shout out the artist, but it's like not loading. But um, also, I don't think the artist is alive. Pier Paolo Cozzolari? Is that possibly him? No idea. Oh God. Can you please take care of your website, Marianne? Thanks. The other Marianne. The other um, Marianne. No, it's actually not him. Sorry, I just shouted out the wrong Italian artist. Um, yeah, I don't think we saw anything that interesting. I mean, the Pedro Reyes show that it was up at Listen had just come down. And I think it was uh, replaced by a, a show by... Uh, oh, my God, I'm forgetting his name now. Very talented woodworker. Um, damn it. Okay, you can talk while you look his okay. name up. I'm just going through my camera roll to find this, but I'm coming across some amazing memories. Um you and me at the Park Slope Street Fair. Um, having oh, that was fun. <laughs> we, mi- we missed uh, Sean Mendes, who allegedly also was there. Yeah, and Lily at Allen. <laughs> who? Really? <laughs> yeah, that was according to Du Moi. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sorry. The artist's name is Hugh, Hugh Hyden, and I'm going to go check out his show ASAP. It's really just uniquely gorgeous. Oh, nice. Wicker and woodwork. Sculpture, um, of course. Okay, so we had the pina coladas. We totally got tipsy. Mm-hmm. Um, you posed with some Windex wipes uh, at Target. Then later that day, I went to the Eagle. Uh, so much fun. The rooftop just down the street from Ariana Grande's apartment in the Zaha Hadid building. Did also, you see, uh, we're able to look into Steve Gold's apartment. Yeah, our uh, <laughs> realtor crush, uh, friend of the pod in our minds, mm-hmm. uh, did not see him or his Polish wife, unfortunately. Um, what else? Oh, and then we went to the Met Cloisters just for some Met Part 2 content. Oh, right. How did you like that? Your first visit to this uh, insane concept, it. basically. Yeah. 
Uh, so for anyone who doesn't know, the Met Cloisters uh, opened in, I guess, the 1930s. And uh, like rich New Yorkers like to do, they just uh, brought a bunch of crap from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a jigsaw puzzle of different uh, old churches and chapels and other uh, architectural relics. And it's packed to the brims with uh, religious art from mm-hmm. bygone eras. And it is quite impressive just to see this mishmash of of uh, architectural elements and things. Yeah. And great gardens. Yeah. Like really Amazing nice. gardens. Yeah. It's just such a glimpse into how a uh, twisted everything was back in the day in America because you had no culture here basically. So you had to like establish some sort of canon and a, uh, I don't know, ethos for you know cultural life in the city so one of the ways to do it was by way of infusing a lot of money into it is to just transport culture from the old world into the new world bring your own knave basically (laughs) um sorry kasha's uh extra flatulent today so if you hear oh my god speaking of kasha since we last recorded she really fell in love with me i have to say she did yeah yeah it was never like that until she now. Con- she definitely considered you a snack, a dessert, <laughs> and uh, kept licking you. Uh, yeah, she can't stop licking my ear and neck. It's really yeah. Sweet. She start she started doing that. I think with age, she's just getting so hungry around the I'm clock a salt that she lick. Just, yeah, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, so you got to see the uh, the world famous unicorn tapestry at the Met Cloister. Yes, did that. That was also my first time to the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Then we had the really nice family dinner at the Bronx. I also uh, took you. I also took you to my favorite Peruvian restaurant for lunch. Ooh, that was good. Uh, mm-hmm. Loved loved the yuca mm-hmm. and the plantains. Then I brought you over to my studio. Yes, I'm looking through those photos now, and mm-hmm. it was. I just have to shout out your major life upgrade with that studio. Thanks, like COVID. Night, yeah, thanks, COVID prices. Um, mm-hmm. Amir's new studio is amazing, so roomy, a marble bathroom next to Costco, uh, <laughs> which I joined. Ask for? Yeah, yeah, which true. I pressure, I pressured, I pressured you into joining. <laughs> I even um, told my dad. <laughs> yeah, it's def- it's definitely a treat having that there. Okay, we're going when I'm back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, uh, no samples yet. Oh my god. I'm just going to start a, a slow campaign of complaints to them. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I saw a news article. You have samples now. Where the <laughs> F are they? <laughs> um, Yeah, so that was super fun. And then you, uh, and then you uh, took the train up to uh, Ghent, New York. Yes. Well, first of all, you and Jordan helped me get vaccinated, mm-hmm. which was amazing. There's um, a uh, photographic evidence. Yeah. Uh, with my double chin protruding uh, <laughs> but i'm one week away from being fully vaxxed i'll be able to go to the eagle <laughs> um and yeah train ride so the residencies you, oh sorry yeah talk about the residency a little bit for a uh, non-artist listeners yes what does, it, what does it look like okay this is a very well-oiled machine this residency Normally, there would be 30 artists here, which we've all agreed would be insane. There's 15 artists and two critics here. So this feels like a very manageable size because uh, like we have breakfast at 8, lunch at 1 p.m., and dinner at 7 p.m. Uh, there are three houses that we're in, like these cottages. And then there's the main house, which is like where dinner happens. Uh, and then it's about a 10 minute walk down the road to these barns. Uh, and that's where our studios are divided amongst, uh, two buildings. Although one artist gets his own building and it's pretty impressive. Wow. Any, uh, notable alumni? Uh, there's tons actually. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but like, I think Dina Lawson maybe, uh, a friend of mine who's a director at a big Berlin gallery as well. She did like a kind of curatorial residency, I think, mm-hmm. like way back when. Um, but if you go, it, 
to the Art Omai webpage and go to alumni. There, there are. Yeah, I'm actually looking people. through for a, uh, some familiar names. Yeah, and so yeah, so there's like 15 artists. We have a lot of space to spread out. Everyone's really nice. Like we really all lucked out, I think, because it's not that we're here for that long, but even three weeks is long enough that if there's, I don't know, a difficult person making everyone's lives hell, mm-hmm. it could be not that fun. Um, but everyone's like really cooperative, really sweet. There's have people. You made any, uh, have you made any practice uh, decisions to uh, switch gears, to try out something different? To yeah. In other, in other words, what are you doing in the residency? Well, like when I was on my way here, like I mean, this trip in general, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought I would do a lot of ceramics and stuff because there's a kiln. Mm-hmm. But when we went to that show at the Met, the Epic Abstraction show, I was just very, I was very inspired by scale, and I just wanted to make some massive works. And mm-hmm. I mean, this has been a good opportunity, and just because there's we're in these like expansive open studios, mm-hmm. like the there's an old dairy barn, but there's also this kind of sculpture shed they call it, and it's you know, like a roof that peaks in the middle very high and everything's just screen. Like mm-hmm. it's not glossed in or anything. So it just feels very open and um, kind of free. And so I ordered an 84 inch wide roll of canvas. Did the CIA pay for it? <laughs> uh, Visegrad funds paid for it, which is like... I mean, for for you uh, giving a renaissance to uh, abstract expressionism. Yeah. Well, I just told my dad about the uh, CIA connection, and, mm-hmm. and he was surprised slash not surprised. Um, right. Honestly, and, the the CIA uh, could have could have made a worse uh, uh, choice. Yeah. Exactly. I mean that I love that show, Epic Abstraction. So yeah. Um, so I order my canvas, some paints, like various colors. And, of course, UPS delivered it to a neighbor and blocked their front door, <laughs> possibly preventing them from leaving because it weighs 70 pounds. Um, on, na- on National Post Worker uh, Day. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's why it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to explore work at the scale i want to make something i can roll up again so i'm not doing thick applications of paint so i am doing mm-hmm. this kind of staining uh which was prevalent in ab x work uh, i mean but I'm, go big or go home but that's the thing i think scale is something that adds to work i mean it mm-hmm. changes uh, a painting there's nothing I mean, wrong with I, small I, works, but yeah. I mean, I think we talked it. about we talked about it in previous episodes where there is something about the physical relationship between the yeah. spectator and the and the painting in terms of the uh, the scale of the work. I mean, for, yeah. you know, like you're engulfed by something that's uh, uh, you know many times the size of you rather than yeah. something that's medium or small scale where you form yeah. sort of a more intimate conversation with. Yeah, and and that's what I liked at that show at the Met, that when I'm standing in front of the paintings, I feel like I'm wrapped in one of those weighted blankets. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Just this massive object that's bigger than you, and you, I don't really do have this sensation. And so I'm exploring the colors I work with, these forms, like I have these sketches I've made, but because it's such a wet, on wet process there's a Mm -hmm. lot of bleeding there's a lot of things that happen accidentally and i think that's really exciting because my work is so i have drawings and i plan everything out and and i don't think that's me as a person like i think you know me pretty well Mm -hmm. i'm not like a meticulous (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. um planner etc etc and this i feel like i'm actually having fun and doing something physical and with my body and it's not about the body it's using my body so wait how many calories per painting do you burn <laughs> That's uh, what probably as much know. as going to the gym it was so much work yesterday it was insane really yeah like just just unfurling the roll like getting it out of the box and the plastic putting it down on the ground i was already sweating profusely 
I made two paintings yesterday mm-hmm. and it's very physical. And today I'm in pain. Like I feel like I went to the gym because I'm right. just like doing squats the whole time. <laughs> like, I mean, it's putting a new spin on Abex abstract <laughs> ex- exercise. <laughs> <laughs> um, Abex abdominal extension. <laughs> um, so yeah, I might get snatched by the end of this. Well, now you can finally become one of those abstract bros on Instagram. Yeah, um, we should post our favorite uh, a list of them. Mm-hmm. A listicle. Um, yeah, so I'm excited about that. We had a tour of the sculpture park, which is really nice. Um, right. This whole complex is like 160 acres. I've never uh, been. Is it similar to a uh, Storm King? I haven't been to Storm King, but I think it's along those lines. Like, there's okay. I've seen photos of Storm King, but there's a lot of a lot of large scale works, and but it's yeah. a manageable walk. Like, you can do the whole thing in like an hour or so. But there's also an architectural component because they do an architectural residency. Right. There's a work by Stephen Hall, who's a, a huge architect, and some others is, as well. What is Art Omai's uh, Sculpture Park sort of mission statement? I don't Was know what explain the, to you. I don't know what the mission statement is, but it started because the so the founder of Art Omai, um, his name is Francis Greenberger. Uh, it started with the residency, but then uh, basically a friend said like you should start a sculpture park, and so mm-hmm. there were works on loan to that, and I think from people he knew, but also his own works, and the way it functions now is that works are installed for two to five years on loan Mm -hmm. uh mostly but there are some permanent installations so right when was it open you said i don't remember when the sculpture park was but the residency started in the early 90s like it's okay yeah but i'm um, i'm assuming the biggest difference between storm king and art oma is the fact that a uh storm king was uh um open in 1960 and so it has that sort of heavier focus on you know the artists of that era such as mark mark de subaru and uh yeah what's his name danny caravan if i'm not mistaken also has a large installation there and so it feels a touch older in a um you know art history aesthetics um, but having said that, I haven't been to Art Omai, yeah. so... Art Omai has there? some of that, too, yeah. as well. Like, there are works from the 70s, and... Um, okay. And also some... Uh, God, I don't remember her name. I feel so bad. Betty something. And, like, a 1970s, you know, epic-scale sculpture artist in this context. Again, mm-hmm. that's something exciting to discover, because it's always talked about as, like, being, you know, a male domain but there are obviously war women kind of practicing in this field. Right. Um, and then there's this one, it's like a shape shifting. It looks like cubes, but as you move around the, the form of those cubes and the overlap is changing. That was really nice. Is it um, like the, uh, kinetic sculpture on the water in Berlin? <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, but yeah, you should come down. Um, It'd be fun. We can oh, walk sorry, around the I park. Got, I gotta apologize. Of course, I botched his name. It's Mark D. Suvaru, oh, yeah, not yeah. D. Subaru. So I'm sorry for <laughs> sorry Thinking, for for uh, exoticizing and orientalizing him. Were you thinking of your uh, upcoming maintenance on the yeah. Subaru? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wasn't he American Japanese, or am I again making? A... No, I think he was just American from Long Island, probably. Uh, but uh yeah, you should probably think probably just think of Noguchi. Yeah. But yes, you should come down, we can walk around the sculpture park. Um and then you no, can No, he help. is. He's Chinese. Sorry. I made even a, a worse faux pas because oh, he wasn't Japanese, he's Chinese. You're canceled. <laughs> yeah, he was born in Shanghai. Crazy. Okay, I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Um, I mean you you know his work, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I I really yeah. like his work. Okay. Uh also no, we Ma- should go to Ma- we should go to Storm King sometime. Yeah, we definitely should. I think it's a uh, closer to downstate than Art okay. Omai. Uh, you also, I mean, Storm King has some of the region's most impressive gargantuan uh, uh, calderies. Yeah. And um, a very famous um, 
sculpture by Shang Quan. Those like three, ah, yeah, yeah, three legs, basically yeah. like three kneeling legs. But I like the Mark the Suvaros that have like the the circular elements as well as the beams. I think right. that's nice. I just love them because they have such. They really take you back to that like oil sort of rigging, like mm-hmm. the oil boom of the like you know the nineteen uh, hundreds. Uh, yeah. Well, if you like that aesthetic, there's a work at Art Omai that is, uh, it's Atelier Van Lieshout, mm-hmm. and uh, it looks like a giant oil refinery. And, I love that aesthetic. Yeah. And there's like performance done on it and stuff. Yeah. Um, but you should come here and help me get my uh, canvases back to New York after. <laughs> oh my God. How are you even going to transport it back downstate? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> We might have to figure something out. <laughs> yeah. Because I didn't think the roll would be so heavy. It's 70 pounds. It's crazy. That is crazy. Plus You're going to have to... Yeah, maybe you can uh, look for a couple of lesbians with a U-Haul. <laughs> oh, my God. Um. Yeah, maybe... I don't know. Maybe we can, on, uh, on the way down from Art Omai, when you're done with the residency, we can meet up in Storm King or something. Oh, that'd be fun. Some really beautiful work there. Except, I gotta say, I've... I mean, we also saw her work at the uh, Epic, Epic Abstraction Exhibition, but Louise Nevelson. Mm-hmm. I just never got into that work. Yeah. It's just so... Um, I don't know. Maybe... I mean, the work at a, uh, Storm King is more interesting, but it's just like... I, I, I don't like this, like, everything matte black, like compacted compressed like items yeah like tetris together it feels like a game of thrones yeah a uh, sword throne oh i'm looking at the map now you know what we could do of what i'm lo- of new york state uh-huh do the art of my sculpture park do storm king and do woodbury commons <laughs> let's just do woodbury commons that's a lot to take in uh, on one day also not too far from you is a uh uh god what's that italian foundation uh magazzino yeah magazzino italian art it's like a private art italian art foundation in upstate new york um i have a very beautiful building and always great exhibitions oh nice yeah it kind of actually feels like going to the Prada outlet in a uh, Tuscany. Yes. In terms of the architecture. <laughs> uh, maybe it's the same architect that designed it. But I love it up here. Um, I need to find a husband in New York, mm-hmm. move there, and then have a weekend home up here. So I'm just putting that in the universe right now. Y- you wouldn't consider living uh, yeah, full-time in upstate, though, right? Uh... I don't know. I would. I like it here. There's a lot of amenities, but mm-hmm. it would be nice to just be closer to the city. Yeah. Because if you're two hours away from the city, you can still go for the day. It's fine. But I mean, you're you're three hours away from the city, technically. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. It's, it's far. Oh, God. Well. Yeah. Um... Okay, well, that's good to hear that you've been a uh, active in your residency. Thanks. Um, let's see what else is uh, going on in the art world that we might like to talk about. I see uh, in breaking news, Catherine Bernhardt, painter of vibrant pop cultural images, joins David Zwerner. A painter's and, uh, painter. A pa- yeah. <laughs> And thus begins the praise. Uh, Catherine Bernhardt, whose celebrated paintings focus on various facets of American pop culture, will now be represented by the mega gallery David Swerner. She will have her first exhibition at the gallery's London location next spring. Swerner will represent Bernhardt in partnership with the artist's longtime New York Gallery Canada. Now here for some uh, artist statement uh, victories. Uh, Over the past two decades, Bernhardt, who is based in St. Louis, Missouri, has established herself as one of the most sought-after painters working right now. Her vibrant paintings offer uh, contemplative and multifaceted reflections of various facets of everyday life and pop culture, from toilet paper and coffee makers to E.T., Darth Vader, and the Pink Panther. She cites Henri Matisse, 
the pattern decoration movement, Peter Doig and Chris Ophelia as artistic influence. Thoughts? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the the little Caesars um, painting she did. Mm-hmm. See, I, there's some there's something for everyone in her work. Yeah. I, as I said, I went to Little Caesars twice in Mexico City, and I don't regret it. Um, I think that's one of the cutest characters um, in the world of fast food. Um, her paintings have just gotten messier and messier over the years. Mm-hmm. That's one of my issues with it. And I've had enough of uh, Chester Cheetah. Oh, God, yeah. Like, and the Pink Panther. Mm-hmm. Um, at least if she could get into like the McDonald's world of Grimace, Wendy, the Hamburglar, mm-hmm. that could be cute. Um, Bl- Black Betty Boop, <laughs> a, a bedazzled pickle. Um, oh God, I just gotta say I'm I'm highly suspicious of anything that I uh, sense the wrongs that comes out of Canada Gallery, except for a friend of the pod, Matt Connors, whose work we absolutely adore, we love. But, and he's uh, super sweet. It's funny because, you know, I think if we were both pressed, we couldn't even find a single gallery where we'd be willing to, you know, vouch for the entire roster. Because, you know. I mean, that's very difficult. <laughs> yeah. But no, uh, I think some... Canada shows nice things. I just don't get. Well, no, I get the mechanics of this, but it's like, why is she going to Zwarner? It's, uh, it's just like poached, whatever. It just feels uh, lowbrow. <laughs> it's so hard to talk about those things. I just, I don't know. Must everything, like this, um, how should I put it? Like this whole just genre and era of de-skilled art has just gone too far. And uh, I guess it's backed by high auction uh, yields. And so who are we to even go against it? Yeah. Just it's googling t- her right now. It's a touch depressing. Um I hate the ET one. I hate like a toucan and fruit. I hate the I mean, she, Yeah, she she was famously inspired famously inspired by her trip with her husband, I guess, to the souk in, in uh, Morocco and Marrakesh, and so that's where the that whole sort of vibrant aesthetics came from yeah which is whatever well the little caesar's caesar is the cutest one i have to say so that i would be happy to live with but it's just such a like a it over the the low-hanging fruit sort of reach is so overwhelming to me and also those paintings seem like not that there's anything wrong with it but those paintings clearly are made in very short sort of a uh in a very short time yeah uh um, and it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily add in my opinion to their general appeal or aesthetics yeah and then there's the spin-off works there's there's a few artists copying her now biting her style like who um there's this one let's see travis fish Never heard of him. Shows uh, shows in Berlin. Oh, right. Yeah, that's um, definitely... A white person making paintings of rappers and hip-hop apparel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would also venture to say that Ollie Epps' work is, uh, is kind of an extension of that. It's sort yeah. of more at the intersection of uh, Catherine Bernhardt and the whole spray paint uh yeah and just kind of like common i wouldn't even say they're pop cultural references they're just like everyday life like a kebab and someone wearing a a lacoste hat and right um, sort of figurative absurdism at a very flat sort of a uh aesthetic application um I just, for the life of me, don't understand why the fact that her work went for 
100000 at an auction would make me look at the work in any different uh, way or ha- have yeah. me see something in it that is clearly not there. People just like money. So Pe- people just love money. No. I mean, we just we go around the bush too much. Like this just boils down to money. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um and then speaking of things being just about money, um observer a website like you said, we completely forget about <laughs> until <laughs> once a year their arts power 50 list comes out. Mm-hmm. Is uh, that 50 over 50? <laughs> Might as well be. Most of these people seem ancient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Looking at you, Jerry Gagosian. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, God. Well, Jerry Gagosian, a.k.a. Hilda Lynn Helfenstein, which, I'm sorry, Help Henstein. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, talk, uh, can you can you talk about the list a little bit? I think we covered it last year, which is a uh, it's an indictment because we've been on air for over a year now. I think actually, <laughs> no, our, we we came on air in October or September. Oh, okay. I yeah. feel like we talked about one of those listicles last year. There's so many, and right. so Observer, which is possibly still owned by the Kushners, um, came out with one, and I thought that was New York Mag. Maybe it was. Okay, but this list is written by Aaron Taylor, uh, Patty Johnson, which I'm already side eyeing this list as a result. Helen Holmes, Annie Levin, and Observer Arts. Oh, so some anonymous <laughs> contributions just yeah. to make it shadier. Um, so I mean, it's just uh, apparatchiks to uh, yeah. you know process the PR emails that uh, <laughs> exactly. they're bombarded with. So it says that the art world in 2021 is making a roaring comeback. After a pandemic that kept many artists from each other, museum goers from museums and institutions craving financial funds to make up for it, the year of struggle has been followed by a miraculous return. With the implementation of vaccines, socially distanced art practices, stellar exhibitions that are difficult to miss, uh, okay, and online programming, the art world is back. So, just on first glance... Um, uh, hold on. They explain how they have compiled the list here. Oh, okay. Observer's Arts Power 50 represents the most influential people leading the conversation. that conversation in the art world, from artists, auction professionals, founders, government officials, lawyers, and even the creator of a meme page. Um, those on the list may or may not shock you. Either way, you have to pay attention. This is a list of the most cue the triggering word disruptive and powerful people in an industry of creative professionals constantly shifting with much consideration of how 2021 has changed the stakes so far these individuals create today's art world what happens in five years will inevitably reflect what these power players players did in one of the most volatile years first of all i i absolutely reject this a uh, line of thought or premise mm-hmm. um but uh yeah go ahead you want to talk about the list um well i clicked on artist just now mm-hmm. uh banksy's on there i mean i guess that's just a reflection of like is he of the amount power? of attention he received this year the fact <laughs> that he had a, a a very successful a very successful world famous brooklyn museum show which uh, I mean, kudos to them because, like, I also want museums to like hey, uh, open attractive shows that appeal to a mass audience, so they can have some stream of revenue. Especially the Brooklyn Museum that's just been floundering and yeah. stagnating for years. I cannot think of a, a, a important or good show that was a uh, you know mounted there in recent memories. Um, Beeple sure i mean okay. are we gonna are we gonna talk about it in five years from now no um julie maritu i mean okay she has a big show but that doesn't mean like power 50 like yeah what does that even mean the article just seems random it's just like like you said pr placement and also like, kenny, kenny shocked her yeah yeah, under yeah artists. Do miss him. <laughs> oh, 
Okay, Kenny Schachter, writer, curator, artist, educator, and art dealer. Kenny Schachter doesn't shy away from being labeled an art world provocateur or an outsider. He's a weather death threats and decades of experimentation to become one of the most authoritative and trusted voices in the NFT space. It's like everything was just leading up to the NFT moment. <laughs> it was preordained. Um, the digital blockchain supported art objects exchanged on peer-to-peer platforms have stunned the conservative art world into rapid adap- adaptation. But Schachter was learning the contours of a nifty ga- gateway months before everyone else. Um, people complain about fake news and lack of truthfulness, but the art world is the only place where they embrace the lies. Um, and they have their own brand of hypocrisy, Schachter told Observer. That's what I rail against. I'm complicit. I've done everything, but I'm always transparent. I would lose my credibility and my audience in one article if I did something that was disingenuous in any way. Um, how many people do you think even know who Kenny Schachter is or what his work looks like? Definitely not um, his work. I think they just know him as a collector. And a client of their gallery. So I didn't even realize he was a collector. I just know yeah. him as a uh No, he's as, been a, a, as the man who needs new t shirts ASAP. <laughs> no, he's he's always been a very squeaky wheel collector because he's always had that column and like Artnet news and stuff. I right. mean for years. Um but okay, Bill Powers, sorry, no. <laughs> like I mean this list was clearly cobbled together by so many interest groups. Like seriously, of of all galleries in this new. By the way, this list is very American centric, even though not everyone's American on this list, right? But they've definitely ignored like actual power figures, quote unquote. Um, but I mean, like, if, yeah, if I may, half e- gallery. It, yeah, I mean, do me a favor. I mean, if I may echo uh, uh, something that Brad Trammell has been saying uh, this week is that this is clearly you know, the result of a churning of a PR machine that has to sort of justify its own existence in the industry by putting all of its effort into, you know, giving exposures to these different uh, uh, figures and players, essentially. I mean, it's, uh, Brad essentially said that it's funny to see actual power players sort of buried in the list, basically, like Larry Gagosian, who will who has been, you know, consistently a power player over the past... um, I don't know, a couple of decades, three decades at this point, and it's not going to change. And so it's funny to see the sort of aspirational inclusion of people <laughs> who will be completely forgotten next year um, or don't actually have any any sort of sway in the actual, you know, moving of uh, works into the collections of museums or the inclusions in show, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I don't know. I, I guess I don't understand the observer's sort of understanding of what a uh, sort of a power broker yeah. means long term. I mean, I think it's all just uh, clickbait in the end. It's like they probably go through. There's like these search engine optimization tools um, that you can subscribe to, where you can see what people are searching for, mm-hmm. and that's how people often start like online businesses because it's like, oh, like this many people a month search for mattresses well i'm gonna start casper mattresses <laughs> and that's like right. how these things are born i yeah. feel like they're doing that with this because it's like yoko ono is included and it's like obviously yoko ono is a important artist but her you know the justification in this is like she made a banner and a billboard for these projects and it's like so that's uh that puts you on the power 50 list <laughs> like, right um because you did something last year i mean a lot of people did something last year um, right of note and i think for the public at least or people who read this i don't know who even reads this there's a f- fundamental sort of misunderstanding of what what true power sort of means in this business because it's definitely not sort of a uh the result of any squeaking wheelery of any sort because sort of uh true power is very behind the sceney yeah and is lasting and you don't necessarily hear it or are exposed to it in sort of a clickbaity way um and so i guess the people to talk to are what's her name amy from uh celebes oh yeah um power daikon 
So her from the auction houses, Larry Gagosian, uh, who are the biggest collectors in the U.S. currently, they some of them own museums, and those museums bear their own names, yeah. and or they have wings bearing their own names and so they're clearly not on this list and they're not a passing sort of fad because money doesn't sort of ebb and flow that quickly there's a sort of longer term entrenchment and it's not evident in this list tries to capture sort of a a glimpse of a moment in time only yep also like serena williams i mean all praise to her yeah love her (laughs) icon amazing player but how is she a, a lasting sort of contribution to the power structures of the art yeah. worlds i don't know it's like she has a chair um by cause ex campana brothers as we discovered uh on an architectural digest tour of her home right and okay. also just cl- click on the uh 2019 list or uh whatever 2020 list to fully not identify half of the people mentioned there <laughs> um except for mark limcher which i guess for a good reason has not appeared in this year's list um yeah but like yeah i i mean a a more sort of a uh, accurate list would be a semi-identical list every single year because yeah, that, that definitely only like that reflects the reality of this business yeah um, you don't have that big of sort of power players sort of dip in and out of this world um, and influence. Yeah. Well, why well, it's funny because like last year, Zorner made the list. Uh, Suzanne Fielmetter, uh, Esther Kim Verrett, and they're nowhere to be seen on the list this year. You're telling me that David Zorner has lost a. A uh, traction in 2021, yeah. <laughs> but also like on the 2020 list, Nicola Vassell was on it, and like she just opened a gallery, right? So it's like you had the person on the list the year before, and when they actually opened their own gallery with their own name on a prominent street in Chelsea, you're like, oh no, that's not powerful enough, right? Um, that's actually a downgrade, apparently. Yeah. And like um, I'm, Emmy Capelazzo was only uh, featured on the list in 2019. Like she's clearly well, she left a uh, Sotheby's, but she's clearly like one of the biggest power brokers in this industry because she can yeah. actually sort of steer the ship of a, a monetary value one way or another. Jim Carrey was featured in 2019. Are you fucking oh kidding God. me? Decolonized this place because of the uh, I guess the biennial brouhaha um was that a lasting sort of a uh impact that maybe remains to be seen or is debatable but like the fact that none of those people reappeared in 2020 and 2021 is very telling i think yeah sorry i'm scrolling i'm scrolling through the 2019 list and it's just beyond arbitrary like why is bridget (laughs) donna donahue on the 2019 list i mean all all praise to her whatever but it just seems so arbitrary um Ari Emanuel is he oh Rand Emanuel's brother? Yes, he is actually. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm like, you look very similar. Not to uh not to racialize these two dark skinned Jews and, and confuse them with one another. Um, Temple Emmanuel. Yeah. It's also fine to be mean to him because he's such a turd. Oh totally um yeah any other thoughts about this uh list any other observations uh i just no more lists sorry basically let's see where it started 2018 just enough enough is enough enough is enough uh or at least until we are featured on any of these lists (laughs) and then it's fine (laughs) um top unlisten to podcasts <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i'm sending you the funniest picture from the 2019 list and we're not going to be able to even uh to even poke fun about it because it's too close to home <laughs> which year is this 
2019. Oh. Okay, if if anyone who's listening can figure out what we're laughing at, you get a prize. Uh, oh to my be god, determined. I can see his balls in the picture. <laughs> oh my god, I like I can I see his foreskin and just a sliver of his shaved balls. Oh my god! And now I cannot unsee it. Oh my god! I thought he was a Jew. Ew! No, you did not think he was a Jew. I thought he was. Really? I, yeah, I thought he was. Yeah. I never assume anyone from Canada is either circumcised or a Jew. <laughs> I'm actually shocked he's not circumcised given his uh, advanced age. Like really? Canadians, yeah, the like Canadians were as circumcised as Americans. It's like a recent thing that there's less Canadians being circumcised. I still don't understand the uh, cultural history of circumcision in the U.S., I don't know, was it the predominance of Jewish doctors 150 years ago? <laughs> well, actually, somebody told me that it was, uh, it actually gained prominence in the, like, around the Second World War, and it was a way for Jewish soldiers in the U.S. Army to not be sort of identified immediately as such and be, you know... What? Yeah, targeted by the army, and so it was just to level the playing field of the, uh, I don't of the army that. force. I mean, that sounds like a stretch, but... Um, that sounds like a stretch. Um, I don't know. I'm just assuming it was a hygiene thing. Like, like most people did not have adequate, um, you know, access to baths and things for like a lot of history in North America. I mean, but all it takes is just to pull the thing down and just like wash it. Right. I mean, it's, <laughs> no, it's not I brain know. surgery. No, it's not. But I'm just saying like, I'm sure it was easier for hygiene. Right. Um, um okay. Well, if you figure it out let us know <laughs> and the fact that he was fe- why was he even featured in the 2019 list i guess there were a couple of shows but like every every year every uh, like but some who, artists have like a few major shows exactly. it doesn't necessarily make them a power player yeah what what successful mid-career slash senior artist doesn't have regular shows like right god god but that picture is just i i even with that sort of a uh that feels that's like you know the whole like pride kink discourse i'm like i did not consent to seeing that image totally (laughs) he's also so smooth that's so surprising it's like a baby seal god oh my god i wish i did not see that i cannot unsee it now yeah um sorry anyway, this is a homophobic podcast if you haven't noticed no it's just self-hating podcast <laughs> <laughs> um anyway bottom line actual power brokers are the major blue tier gallery blue chip gallery owners the big collectors who are easily findable by going to the museums that <laughs> bear their names or the wings yeah. that uh, have a plaque with their names on it uh major auction house directors um and my mother yeah and then um the big uh oh your mother <laughs> no and then the big advisors like the lisa shifts uh and the theas of the world it's like yeah and we're not and we're not talking and we're not talking about the advisors that are uh, either cloud chasing or bottom feeding Bottom feeding, low hanging fruits, cherry pickers, uh, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Because on the one hand, it could fair weather like, friends, yeah. Some some art uh, advisors who would only reach out to you in order to be put in touch with your gallery, completely ignoring <laughs> your own success, not understanding that. Uh, <sighs> It's everyone's success is on the line at a gallery and everyone has to be equally supported. Even if one artist is having a bigger moment than the other at any given point. Yeah. You know Um, what? I was going to say you said it, not me, but um, I'm not going to name any names, but actually no (laughs) names mentioned, but I just had a show at a gallery that I work with. Mm -hmm. Uh, This person who wanted to be put in touch with them a few months ago. Did they reach out now and ask for a PDF of my works? No. And they they reached out for some for another uh, another artist of the gallery, right? Yeah. So next time they email, I will actually say something, and I'll say, "Right, actually, I think this is really rude." 
I mean, it just goes to show that in that profession, you're, those people are not actually that savvy, tactful, or whatever. Because if they were truly so, they would know what a good way is to um, get their hands on a coveted artist's work by actually investing in sort of long game approach, where you invest in you know the immediate circle of either the gallery's roster or friends of the the artists. Like you can't be that opportunistic. You have totally. to like you have to play it better and wiser. Yeah, because uh, even sweet little Kasha knows to lick my ear if she wants a little biscuit. Yeah, totally. You see art advisors, even my British bulldog's smarter than you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess that, uh, that sums it up. Well, that was super fun. Yeah, you got any uh, July 4th plans, or are you not participating? Are you canceling it? Are you, what's well, the deal? Well, Canada Day was canceled um yesterday i told my dad is it because of the mass grave sites yes uh so a lot of people have fully disengaged in institutions as well which i mm-hmm. fully support um for fourth of july uh we are going to a barbecue mm-hmm. all the people from the residency it's uh, about 20 minutes away there's gonna be fireworks a barbecue live music mm-hmm. uh, so I'm super excited about that that's fun what are you up to uh, we got a family a, uh, a family event tomorrow on July 3rd but then I might come visit you oh on July 4th I'm That'd just uh, I'm like coming around to the fact that it's like a, almost a three hour drive which I like driving but to be solo in a car for three hours I'm just afraid I'll turn like Thelma and Louise on myself oh my god well you don't have to come Um, no I want I want to come because I think the weather is going to be nice and uh, we can do something fun fun in like Hudson or something yeah it'll be a fun adventure if you come like if you want to come we will have a fun time yeah the other thing is you could take a train I don't know how much it costs Um, it's a pretty easy train ride so it goes to Ghent it goes to Hudson so you know what i that's actually not a very bad idea is it amtrak I could that just, goes there or metro north amtrak and i could get dropped off there and we can just have a day of fun mm-hmm. and then i'll just get picked up uh before going to that barbecue right you know what that is not a bad idea i'm so gonna look, look at up. the options if it's mm-hmm. not too expensive right do it. should i get a sleeper car <laughs> <laughs> we should do a trip across american one i think it would be very fun oh i would love that let's do it okay we're planning that um Good. okay okay so look into it yes oh, actually it's not even that expensive i might just do that okay, okay cool okay talk after the recording's over but okay. uh it was nice chatting nice and chatting. uh hopefully fcc won't cancel us after this it's pretty art heavy yeah thank god and can our listeners please like send us some feedback because like i started going back to openings now and turns out people listen to us but they just don't see the need to like uh come out of the woodworks yeah so, come like, out of the I closet kn- people yeah i know you're out there yeah so just like let us know what you think yes thank except you. for you creeps we don't want to yeah. hear from you okay yeah. okay Okay, good. Okay, talk to you next week. Okay, talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.